Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates' national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. This is the best of Pro Football Talk Live on NBC Sports Radio. I'm your host, Mike Florio. Joining us now, the general manager of the Super Bowl 52 champion, Philadelphia Eagles. He is Howie Roseman. It just occurred to me. You go by Howie. Does anyone in your life call you Howard? You know, it's funny you say that. There's only one person in my whole life who ever called me Howard. Your mom. My grandmother. Oh. <laughs> and uh, she passed away a couple of years ago. It's... Um, no, nobody else does. You know, uh, my first interview in the NFL was 1999 with the New York Jets, and I was interviewing for a personnel job. And uh, Coach Parcells walked in, and he, uh, Mike Tannenbaum at the time was the pro director, and he says, Coach Parcells, I want you to meet Howie Roseman. And he said, Howie. And he looked me up and down, and he said, there's only one other Howie I know, and he's 6'4", 275. You may want to go with Howard for now on. <laughs> and I went, oh, this NFL thing's going to work out great for me. <laughs> That's great. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, the NFL thing has worked out great for you. Thank you very much. Uh, you got the Super Bowl ring, and you've had two playoff appearances since then. And you guys have shown so much grit and toughness late in the season to turn it around when your backs are against the wall. We've seen it two straight years now. Is it also frustrating, though, you get yourself in that position every year where you have to scratch and claw and fight to get a playoff spot? Yeah, Mike, it's funny that you mentioned that because that's been a little bit of our emphasis this offseason. Like, can we not put our backs against the wall? Can we get in a position where we have a little wiggle room, where we can take a deep breath, where it's not every game from week 11 and 12 on is playoffs or bust and because uh, it puts so much pressure on the, on the football team and the stress level increases and there's only so much you can take with that. Uh, and as you see, like the, the world champions, when we won the Super Bowl, we had a bye. It's very hard when you put that much stress on your football team to then go in the playoffs and come out at the end. So uh, I think that's been a big offseason focus for us. How can we start better? You know, What can we do to improve the health of our football team? Uh, and we've kind of gone in that direction here with some of the off-field moves that we've made since the season has ended. Yeah, I mean, where where you get, you guys have an interesting off-season here as far as you know, pending free agents, things like that. 
you know, where does it all start? Where does it, where does it go here for Howie Roseman and the Eagles? Well, I think it all starts with the quarterback. Yeah. You know, and and uh, we have a quarterback that we think um, is a tremendous player, yeah. tremendous leader. And so we got to make sure that he's protected first and foremost. And we put so much investments into our offensive line that we're really excited about the offensive line we have. Now we, we have a, an important free agent there as well and somebody yeah. who's been a great player. For us, um, Hall of Fame player. Jason Peters you're talking about. For yep, sure. Right. And then that he's got playmakers at his disposal. Yeah. Always looking to surround him with playmakers. You know, we did it last year. Adding Miles, you know, J.J. in the second round, who we're expecting, you know, him to take a big step up, big jump from year one to year two. You know, well, the year before we had drafted Dallas Goddard, so we have him and Zach. Right. Um, but we want to make sure that when we look back on Carson's career, we've done everything possible to maximize his success. And, of course, we have an offensive head coach. Yeah. So that doesn't right. hurt either. Right. Has Carson Wentz silenced the downers, or is it still to be determined for him to really reach that potential where he's regarded as a franchise guy without anybody saying, yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but? Yeah, I think internally that's never been an issue for us. You know, he's a tremendous player. He's a tremendous leader. He's a tremendous person. And um, I think for us, we got to do whatever we can to make sure that we put him in a position to be successful. And in my role, that's important. It's to make sure that he's got everything he needs to be really successful. Now, I don't want to short side the fact that defense also matters to that because if you have a great offense and you're getting leads and you can't protect those leagues, you can't rush the passer or, or prevent big plays, that's going to hurt your football team as well. So um, I think we got a lot of errors that we're looking at to try to improve. And, and like you said, you know, the, the positive is over the last three years, you know, we're one of only four teams to make the playoffs all three years. And I think we're the only NFC team over the last five years to win a Super Bowl. So, you know, we've had a lot of good things, but we're hungry for more. The, the, like the one thing, okay, like me being Johnny Evaluator here, like the deep threat that was missing, right? And, you know, Deshaun Jackson, of course, getting hurt really affected that last year, which I I felt like affected your whole offense to to a degree. You know, you know what, what what you know you talked about some of the young receivers you got. You know, Deshaun, he's getting up there in age. I mean, you think you're going to be a big player in free agency as far as that that position's concerned? Well, I think you got to look at it as the offseason in its total picture. So you got to look at what's good in free agency, what's good in the draft, yeah, how right. it matches your right. picks, and, and what's the strength of the draft, what's the strength of free agency. Um, and also when you're talking about having a young quarterback, like you look at it, you know, our tight end group is young. Um, our running back group, we drafted Miles last year. Even Jordan Howard, who we acquired in trades 26 years old. Boston Scott, who's the NFC Offensive Player of the Week against the Giants. You know, he's tremendously explosive. Right. So I think ideally when you look at it, you'd like to balance kind of veterans and youth. Um, but I, I think also when you talk about that and having guys who can take the top off, yeah. I mean, it goes without saying, speed helps. Yes, speed helps at, right. at every level, um, whether you're talking about offensively or defensively. You're in a division that has three new head coaches this year. Um, that's got to be an advantage. when you. I mean, because all due respect, I mean, Mike McCarthy's won a Super Bowl. Ron Rivera's been in a Super Bowl. Joe Judge, who knows how it's going to go. But you've got three coaches breaking in new programs with new teams. That has to give the Eagles a leg up, doesn't it? It's it's funny you mention that because I remember um, in 2002 we played the Bucks in the championship game, and John Gruden was in his first year coaching the Bucks. And I'm saying, who in their first year coaching a team goes and wins the Super Bowl? Right. So um, I, I think it's hard to make those proclamations. They came into Philly in the last game at Veterans Stadium and beat us. You know, I think we got to focus on how we can improve our team, the things that we can do better. And, you know, the first goal is to win the NFC East. But 
um, we're not satisfied losing in the first round of the playoffs, winning the NFC East and losing the first round. So we got to compare ourselves to the teams that are winning the Super Bowl. You know, our, our ex-head coach, Andy Reid, just won a world championship in Kansas City. They're going to be a threat going forward. So we're, we're trying to measure ourselves against the best teams in the NFC, um, in the National Football League, because that's where we want to go. How much time do you spend thinking about how differently the playoff game would have gone if Carson Wentz plays the whole thing? You know, I think it's more you, you feel bad for the kid and, and just um, the amount of preparation he puts in each week, the amount of leadership he showed when he took over our team. You know, at one point we're 5-7, and seven, we lose to the Dolphins. You know, everyone's writing us off. All to our top three receivers are out, and um, everyone just followed him. And so, you know, just getting the opportunity, home playoff game to play, you feel bad for him. But... I've learned that, that it's hard to spend a lot of time thinking about the what-ifs. It, it could just drive you crazy. What if? No. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do it anyway. It'll be great. Um, you're one of the best in the business at your job. You really are. And Mike and I he both have everybody great knows. respect. No he's he's no a liar. It's I do okay. not. It's okay. I have not said that to everybody. Um, but I do feel like this is just uh, – am I overstating that? I feel like this is one of the bigger off-seasons I've seen the Eagles have. I know they're all big. But, like, here, the list of free agents I got in front of me, damn, you got a lot of them. Like, you got a work cut out for you. I just, do you see it as like almost as like you got to flip the team over here? Or are we about to do I, that? Or? Well, I, I, feel, I feel two parts of that. Right. I think the first part of that is every offseason is important. Yes, I, I know. I'm not trying to downplay the significance right. of this offseason. It's the most important because it's the next one. Right. Um, but at the same time, we've been preparing for kind of a flipping of our team. You yeah. Know, we knew that. Um, when we kind of started back in 2016 and Coach Peterson came, that we were going to have a window. Right. And then the last couple of years, we were trying to extend that window. So um, we were trying to find undervalued veteran free agents because that's where we thought sure. the margin was at that point in time, sure. that veterans weren't getting what other guys were getting. Right. And so as we – and we only had 10 picks the last two years. And a lot of those picks were because we were trying to win a championship, not only in 2017 but in 18 and 19. And now as we build, we look at it as a, a new period of time where in 2020, 2021, we may have a lot of new players on our team, but we also have this core group yeah, of guys right. that are guys that are under contract, that are big parts of our team. I mean, we talk about the offensive line. I mean, we have a really you know, four guys, yeah. four starters who are under contract for right. the foreseeable future. Plus, we drafted a left tackle in the first round. Right. Um, you know, Carson's under contract. Miles is under contract. Both tight ends are under contract. You know, Fletcher Cox, who, with all due respect to the rest of our defense, may be our best defensive player yes. under contract for the long term. Definitely, so, yeah. Um, I think that we look at it like let, we're, we're not in a rebuilding mode. We're no, I know you're not. We're right. and we're going to do whatever we can um, to try to build this team, but right. also to sustain success. We don't want to be in a period a year or two from now where we're tearing it all down. Right. You know, you've got your quarterback for well into the future. Do you kind of sit back and look at all the quarterbacks who are going to be free agents, all the teams are going to be looking and say, thank God we don't have to jump into that game of musical chairs? Or do you kind of wish at some level that you had a chance to? Like, I'd be kind of no, fun to have no, a ticket to this no, party. No, no, thank you. You know, because <laughs> everything, and, and it goes into the draft, like as sure as you can be until someone – moves into that city, is surrounded by the coaching staff, is accustomed to the surroundings that go with it, it's a risk. And so when you know when you're around someone, and that's why we do as much as we can when we hire new coaches, when we bring new people in, to try to find people who've been around them so we take some of the guesswork out of it because 
it, it's a little bit like dating. Until you, you really live with someone, you only see someone on their best behavior. Time for a break. We have more to come here on the Best of Pro Football Talk Live on NBC Sports Radio. Joining us now, a man who won Super Bowl 45 in Dallas. Now he will be coaching the Dallas Cowboys. He is new Cowboys coach Mike McCarthy. Coach, great to see you. How's everything? It's uh, it's going it's going well. It's good to be here. Oh, it's kind great. Of finding my footing. I can't get used to seeing you. First of all, in blue instead yeah. of green, and second of all, that star. How long did it take you to get used to the concept that uh, it's not Packers anymore? Yeah. Now it's Cowboys. Well, I think you know, I think having the year off, you had a chance to kind of dissolve yourself from the green um, but no it's been it's been a smooth change really I think this the the parallels between the organizations you know is there's a lot of things in common so it's great to jump back into it so uh, we like the blue you know a lot of guys have coached multiple teams but I can't think of a guy who's coached two really high profile teams passionate fan bases tons of pressure I suppose all the time in Green Bay helps prepare you for stepping into an even bigger spotlight in Dallas. I would say so, Mike. I, I think like anything in life, if, if you have past experiences that you can pull forward, this is definitely the case. Uh, but with that, uh, very blessed. It's a privilege to coach at both organizations. But just really the uniqueness of Dallas is really what you know I'm focused on. And, um, and that's the beauty of year one. You know, year one, you just kind of jump in there and you just keep going and, and things are starting to come together. But very, very fortunate, very blessed for this opportunity. You know, it's funny, when I was growing up not far from Pittsburgh, I mean, you would think the big rivals, the Browns or the Bengals, yeah. the Cowboys were the Steelers' biggest. Everybody hated the Cowboys because they kept crossing paths in the Super Bowl. How much grief have you gotten from folks back home that you're now the coach of the team that was so hated by the Steelers and yeah. their fans in the 70s? I think things are different today, you know, because I, I think everybody's such an NFL fan. But um, but I do remember the 70s. I mean, they were those were, were great years in Pittsburgh. Um, but the one thing that I do recall is you probably went through too. Dallas was always the second game. And, uh, and I think for all of us back in Pittsburgh, it kind of changed when Tony Dorsett went there uh, because, you know, he's someone that I know I enjoyed watching as a young kid when he was playing at Pitt. And, and when he went to the Cowboys, I think everybody, you know, wanted to keep, keep an eye on Tony. So. Um, we both remember when he was Tony Dorsett. Yeah, did, right. Did Not Dorsett. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Changed after the draft. Yeah. But, uh, but no, I mean, he had such a great career, was such an exciting person. So, I um, mean, you know, I've always, you know, been in tune with with the Cowboys and the great teams they had, and obviously the great Super Bowls that they had with Pittsburgh. You know, it's kind of weird. We're both in that same area where football is such an important part of life. When did you realize that that was kind of your destiny professionally? Well, um, I must say in college when I had the opportunity to uh, coach at the University of Pittsburgh, you know, back in 1989, my particular you know, situation growing up in the inner, inner city, Pittsburgh, we didn't really have, we didn't have youth football. You really didn't have the opportunity to play until you got to high school. So um, baseball and basketball were, were my first two sports that I, that I loved and excelled in. in it. But once I had the opportunity to play in high school, um, I just fell in love with the sport and um, when I had the opportunity to, to volunteer at Pitt, that's that's when I knew this is what I this is what I want to do and and chase chase that profession. And now you're with the Cowboys and Dak Prescott's the quarterback, and you had the benefit. I mean, you've had Brett Favre, then Aaron Rodgers, now Dak Prescott. When you watch Dak Prescott's film, what kind of ideas do you have? What kind of inspiration do you have of how how you can make him into the best version of Dak Prescott he can be? Well, you know, we're 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 in our second lap, is is what we refer to as a, as a offense and, and even a defensive staff, where we've had a chance to go through you know, every snap from last year, 
and just really watch the players on how they, you know, how they performed in last year's uh, system. And I think that the obvious is, uh, you know, with Dak's film is it just it just jumped to big playability. I, th- I think they were number, uh, Dallas was number one in the league in big play production, particularly in the drop back passing game. So his ability to make throws from the pocket, I, I think we. We all know his ability, you know, outside the pocket, ability to run the football. But uh, so impressed with the number of throws he made in the pocket, particularly downfield. So, you know, and, and with that, you know, when you everybody wants to compare Brett and Aaron, and, and and obviously it'll be the same with Dak. But they're, you know, every one of those guys is different to their, to, you know, to their style of play. And you know, I'm just I'm just excited to. You know, put this new offense together and get started get started to work with them when you study offense and defense and special teams from the Cowboys last year how do you diagnose what went wrong to cause them to land at eight and eight and on the wrong side of the playoff picture well I, I think like anything I you know when you have time to reflect and it's really the whole football operations it, it's usually not never just one thing so um, and with that you know we, we've we've tried to you know absorb as much as as we can of the things we want to carry forward because there's you know so many positive attributes that are already in place there uh, but when you talk about the pure performance uh, when you look at the offense you know you, you have to you have to look at the point you know the, the point generation if you look at the you know the scores of the game you know fit below 15 points in the losses and above I think 31 in the wins so I mean I, so with that you the level of consistency will, will be part of our our flight uh, you know coming into the new year which is you know for every 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 coach and every team you're looking for that so uh, just the level of consistency and point production uh, defensively it's going to be a whole it's, it's going to be a wholesale change uh, schematically and philosophically it's going to be different for our guys and and that definitely holds true also in special teams with with John Fossil. How hard was it to be away from the sport that you love for a full year I mean I know you were working behind the scenes and you had a plan and you were staying active and you were kind of everything was leading up to this but still to not be in the fight to not be in the fray for a full year what was that like for you? You know, it, it was it was so different than I thought it was going to be. Um, and I, I think, like all of us, you never really think about it. But it was it was clearly the best decision that I made for for, for my family and I, and, and um, so thankful for it. You know, it really was a gift for us to take a step back. You know, we're a blended family, so we have a lot of moving parts, and and really just to collect uh, myself professionally, I, I, I'm, I'm very thankful for it and and uh, just made the best of it but yeah it's difficult I mean I'm not gonna lie to you You walk in here yesterday and you know you know this the the feelings come back and you you know faces you haven't seen in in over a year so um, it's a blessing to work in the National Football League I mean just just to think that we get to do this every day what we love I mean talk football every day just I mean the X and O conversations uh, going back through the film of last year and building a new offense you know, looking at the schedules from Green Bay and how you can apply it, you know, just all those things. So thankful for the break, um, but, you know, just real excited about this next opportunity. You coached a team from 2006 into 2018 that doesn't have an owner at all, publicly owned Green Bay Packers. There isn't that one person who can roll out of bed any given day and come in and just create chaos if they want to. And now you're at the other extreme. You're working for the owner, the guy with the bus, Jerry Jones. I mean, I can't imagine the contrast for you to have no one in that position to having the guy who, when you think NFL owner nowadays, you think Jerry Jones. Uh, Definitely. And and I I think what I said earlier, there's – uh, the comparables are uh, are in place there when you look at you know, no owner versus versus an owner. But the thing 
that is so consistent. In Green Bay, we always felt that we were, you know, football and family. Family first operation. You, you see that right away in Dallas. I mean, this is a family-owned business. I mean, Jerry and his family are very close, and, and, and the vibe that, that goes through that whole building is, is about, you know, it's about winning, but, you know, it definitely has that family first um, vibe to it, and, and I love that. So it's, uh, that, that part has been very natural. Um, it's, it's, it's been exciting, but, you know, yeah, it's, you know, I, I think it's, it's never the same. I mean, it's, it's never the same year to year. But, um, yeah, I'm, I'm excited about the setup that we have in Dallas. Jerry Jones has made no bones over the last eight years or so about his urgency to get back to a Super Bowl and win it. This is a team that hasn't even been in the NFC Championship since 1995. How do you try to get folks in the organization? Maybe you know, it's going to take a little time. It's not like you just show up and put, a, put together a Super Bowl team. we got some changes we need to make. we got some people we need to get. we got some systems we need to get in place. We can't have the bar too high or we're just going to end up being disappointed again. Well, I think like anything, not to get into coach speak, I mean, you have to trust the process, but it's really the, defining what the process is, the details of it, staying true to it. Uh, the bumps are coming, um, but, you know, having a proactive approach to, to what the issues are going to be. Here, here are the answers um, ahead of time. This is how we're going to handle it. So uh, that, that's all part of it. I always go back to the, the championship year in Green Bay. It, you know, it took 77 players to, to win a Super Bowl. So just, you know, you look at those past experience and how, how you can apply that, you know, to here in, in, in Dallas. And, and, you know, and that's why we're here. It's player acquisition time. You, you can never have enough good players. So, and, you know, so just staying true to that process. And, and you know, you need a little luck along the way. You know, health is very important. Um, so just staying true to that. Time for a break. We have more to come here on the Best of Pro Football Talk Live on NBC Sports Radio. Joining us now, the brand-new head coach of the Carolina Panthers. He is Matt Rule. And I say brand-new. It's been several weeks. It probably already seems like you've been on the job for a long time. It does. It, feel, it, it, it really feels like years, and uh, but in a good way. You know, um, we've just gotten a lot done. And, uh, you know, you take one of these jobs, you show up, and you're excited, and, and then it's just kind of get to work and start just slowly, methodically making sure you're ready. So I, I think we've made a lot of progress so far. Where, where does it start? Like, just kind of take us through the first week of the head coach of the Carolina Panthers. How do you kind of digest it and go through it all? I think there's really two things. You want to make sure you get to the key players right. um, and, and introduce yourself. And, you know, because anytime you have a new coach, there's going to be a little bit of like, hey, what's this about? Who's this guy going to be? Um, and then hiring a staff. Right. And um, as you know, in the NFL level, guys are under contract. Or it's, it's really a process to navigate. So trying to make sure that, you know, you're there and, and present for the players on the team, you know, if they call you, reach out to you, or if you can reach out to them, and then hiring a really good staff as well. Right. What surprised you the most so far about this job? Um, you know, I think as a college coach, I dealt so much of my day was dealt with, was you know, so and so missed class, so and so was five minutes late, and so you show up and there's really no players there, and so <laughs> yeah. you know, and that's what I love. I love being around players. I think great coaches make their you know help their players play better, and so um, the, the few chances I have to be around our guys when they come in for treatment, or I've really enjoyed that. So I, I'm really looking forward to the off season and you know the, the voluntary phases of the guys working out, so I can just kind of be around and be a coach because that's what I love to do. Yeah, all that's right. the most positive yeah. possible spin that I've ever heard a coach put on the limited access to players in the offseason. Sean Gruden two years ago when he got back in the game and the rules had changed. It was borderline profanity after profanity <laughs> about not having access. But, but he's that, coming that's a from good college. Well, right. he's coming he's from college access. where it's even less, yeah. less access right. to coaching yeah. guys. So, yeah, I get it. You probably feel like, wow, I can really coach here. Yeah. Um, once they're allowed to show up. Yeah, yeah. once they're allowed. Yeah, that's right. right. Um, all right, let's just get to right to it. I mean, you know, I know you're going to answer this question nine million times, but Cam Newton, you know, I mean, I know you're not guaranteeing he's a starter if healthy or whatever that may be. 
how much tape have you watched? Do you watch, you know, for you to get a good feel for where he's at in his career? Yeah, I mean, I've watched uh, not just for him, but for the entire team. I've watched the offense, defense, special teams going all the way back to like 2015, you know, 2016. I, and I think that's really important just to see, like, what does it mean when, you know, when Carolina has won? What is, how, how do they win? What is, what is the atmosphere like? Right. Know, just in every way. So, um, but I, I guess the big thing for me is, I man, I'm really excited to coach Cam Newton. Yeah. Like, you know, I, just getting to know him, being around him, seeing the way that he's rehabbing, the way he's taking this seriously. Um, I think I think if he does this right and we do this right, his best football is ahead of him. And yeah. so, um, you know, I, I didn't know him before coming there, and I've, I've really enjoyed my interactions with him. And so, you know, I have a job to do, and it's not to start talking about like six months from now. It's about right now making sure that we get Cam healthy for this fall because if he's healthy, there's really no questions about who he is or what he can do. So just making sure that that's really our focus right now, getting that in place. But I, I felt like coming here, I wanted to make sure people knew, like, I, I really want to coach this guy, and I really like this yeah. guy, and um, I, I really like the way he's approaching his rehab and the way he's doing things. A- anything, just real quick, like specifically, like on film when you watch Cam Newton, maybe that you did or didn't know or something he does better than you expected? Well, I think um, – I think two things I'd say. Number yeah. one, off the field, because when you talk to the other players, like there, there's such a deep, deep, deep respect for him in the locker room for the, what he does in between the white lines yeah. and the way he'll play no matter what. Right. And then I, I think you go back and look at him on third down, you look at the ability for him to throw the ball. You know, even last year, playing on a hurt foot, he, he's thrown 18-yard comebacks right. to the right sideline. So uh, he coming off that shoulder, he, he's still he's still got the arm. Right. And so to me, it's a matter of us putting in a new system. It's going to be a little bit different for him, but I think uh, whether it's him or Will or Kyle or anybody else, I think it's a really good quarterback friendly system right at your introductory press conference owner David Tepper was asked about Cam Newton and he pivoted to this concept of the importance of buying in and obviously it's critical for your starting quarterback to buy in how hard is it to sell him on sticking around and buying in when he's had one head coach his entire NFL career feels like everything around him is changing what kind of a challenge is that and how how much have you been allowed to talk to him about that to kind of get a feel for whether or not he is all in with what you're trying to do. Yeah, I haven't really had to talk about that. I mean, um, I, I think, I think, uh, and really for the, with all the players. I mean, I, I think for me, I have to come in and just say, hey, this is what we're going to do, and just start moving forward. And and um, I haven't sensed any of that. I think a lot of guys are excited about what we're going to do. I think you know, obviously, some of them have been here for for many years are proud of what they've done. But you know, we all understand things change, and it's a, it's a new year. And so, I don't care if you won the Super Bowl last year or if you or if you lost last year and had a tough year. It's all about you know the, the next season. And yeah. so, I think guys are excited about what we're doing downstairs. You know, in the weight room, training room, some of the sports science things we're bringing in, and um, you know. That's really that to me. That's the buy-in. It shows. It'll show up in the off-season. It'll show up in training camp and in the season. And um, I have no reason to doubt that guys won't won't be bought into what we're doing. Is, is there any coaches? You know, you've been around the NFL and of course made a name for yourself in college. Any coaches you've sought advice from here throughout this process that you've talked to to kind of take on this this new challenge for you? Yeah, you know, I'm, I, Tom Coughlin, right off the bat, you know, right. Dick Vermeil uh, was someone who reached out to me right away, even in the early process, talking to uh, uh, Coach Parcells, you know, so, yeah, so some of those right. legendary great coaches who who have always been gracious with their time for me. And and, and that, after that, really, I mean, you know, I saw Andy Reid this morning, who I've known a long time, saw Bruce Arians, who we were both Temple coaches, and right. and I think all those guys have been really supportive. Um, Sean Payton, when I've had questions, I've called Sean, like, we're in the same, you know, same division, and he, so I think 
there's kind of a, a, a really good uh, brotherhood of coaches that are out there, and guys have been really good to me. You've got some experience coaching in the NFL with the Giants as an offensive line coach, more experience in college, but is there a fundamental difference between college and pro players from the standpoint of how you communicate with them, how you get them to respond, how you get them to do the things that you need them to do to buy into win? Yeah, I think it's different for every coach. You know, I think if, if you're a yeller and a screamer all the time, that you know, I, I, I always try to think of everything, whether I'm in college or the pros, is it's not about players and coaches, it's just about people. And so everyone has different things that they're going through, everyone has different issues. And so, um, you know, when you're coaching in college, people sometimes forget that you have 125 players. Right. So 125 guys with hopes and dreams and, you know, if, if they have a bad year, they're still coming back the next year. Um, you know, they, they all have the same scholarship. And so that's that's one set of things. You come to the, the NFL level, you know, you, you have, you know, a 53-man roster, you know, so it's cut down in half and some guys are at the end of their career. They just want to hold on for a little bit longer. Some guys are just getting started. So I just think when you identify it as what's my job as a coach, my job is to make sure that I'm helping my players play better. If we really do that and we're just not saying that I, I always felt like players respond to coaches who help them play better and so um, we're going to try to do that at this level you know when I was an assistant I thought it worked I've got a bunch of really good teachers and coaches with not a lot of egos and I, I think our staff will will really have a lot of buy-in from the players in terms of how we do stuff yeah uh, I mean you, you made a name for yourself because of your team building I mean you took over a, a tough spot in Temple and made them relevant and Baylor I thought like oh they're done forever mm. when our priles and the scandal hit and you save them and all of a sudden I'm going what they're in the big 12 championship game this year what is the difference between building a winner in college and, and then the NFL, in your opinion? Or, or if there is a difference, or an easier, or harder, whatever it may well, be. I, I think, you know, obviously in college, you, you do it through recruiting yeah. and through development. Right. I think here, there's there's such a different, you know, when, when it comes to free agency and the draft, so it's a different means to the same end. Yeah. But, you know, I think the good thing for me is because I've been a part of both of those. I mean, I did a lot of good, th- and when I say I, I mean my staff. We, got we did a lot yeah. of good things, right. and we did a lot of things that I wouldn't do again. I was a much better head coach at Baylor than I was at Temple. Right. And so, as I come into this new challenge, I have a lot of experience to, to pull from that I say, hey, this worked, this didn't work. And I've told guys all along the way, I don't sit here and pretend like I have it all figured out. You know, I'm going to make mistakes as a head coach. But I think the thing that I, I just never want it to be about me, and I hope players respond to that. And we have a good nucleus of veteran players in Carolina who who I think are going to be great to work with and help me as I transition. Right. you got one of the best offensive weapons in football in Christian McCaffrey. What should we expect as fans of the game from him this year? Is your philosophy going to be, Let's just let use him till the wheels come off. Or are you going to be a little more cautious? He's getting into the fourth year of his career, and at some point, there's only so many hits you can take before the wheels do come off. Just give us a sense of what that 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 approach will be to using a guy who was uh, what, the third member of the thousand-yard rushing, thousand-yard receiving club. Well, I think he, you know Christian's a dynamic player, and I, you know, I don't think there's many people in football who take care of themselves as way as Christian as, as well as Christian does. I mean, he goes above and beyond in the season, out of season, to make sure that he's healthy and can keep answering the bell. And so I, I'm excited about those things. I think, you know, we want to continue to expound upon all the skill sets that he has. I mean, there's not many guys who can line up and, you know, run eye formation power, run zone read, and then, oh, by the way, then go out in the slot. And yeah, win. Right, so right. I think, when you know, we hired Joe Brady. We hired a really good offensive staff of guys that are creative. And um, without giving probably too much away, we'd like to do a lot of different things with Christian to, to, to allow him to just be as dynamic as possible and get him in the open field. And also, you know, we have Curtis Samuel and DJ Moore, and we have a, a plethora of backs that we feel really good about who haven't played a ton, but we feel good about. So I think we're going to try to open the whole thing up and use everybody. 
Um, do you feel like you have an advantage, you know, compared to some of these coaches? Because you've been in college, like you've seen some of these kids in person. Is, is, do you feel that way, or am I wrong to think that? Well, I think I have a lot of history with a lot of these yeah, guys. Okay. You know, I think right. um, I think you know, like I said, there's ten guys here that you know, four that I coached at Temple, six yeah. that I coached at Baylor. So I maybe some insight on those guys. But then a lot of guys I played against, yeah, you know, walking right. down the hallways, and I you know I see Ceedee Lamb or Jalen Rager. I mean, I've seen those guys up close and personal. Right. So I think I have a feel for them. And then you know, as I go around college, you know, pro days and stuff like, there's a lot of guys on those staffs who I know, who I've worked with. So I think I have a good feel for that. But, you know, that that that, that advantage is only if you, if you use yeah, it you properly, you take, right. take advantage right. of it. So, <laughs> right. But I think, um, you know, we're always going to try to gain, gain as much information as possible, and hopefully we come in with a little bit from coming from college. Yeah. Free agency is going to be the closest thing to college recruiting. It starts within a few weeks. What, what is your role, what is your voice in the process of deciding which players to go out and pursue in free agency? I, you know, I... Marty Herney's still the GM, but it's still this new era, this new regime. And and how does how does your voice fit into that process of selecting who will be well, I think new Marty, Panthers? Yeah, I think Marty would tell you that you know every great GM, you know they they, they build a team, but they don't want to bring a they don't want to bring a coach a player he doesn't want to coach. And so, you know what we've tried to do is we sat there and the, and the scouting staff has taught the coaches, hey, this is our process. But then the coaches have sat there with the staff and the scouting staff and said, hey, this is what we're looking for in a quarterback, and this is what we're looking for in a three technique, and showing them on video and showing them examples because what we're trying to do is take all these different people and align them so we see things the same way and so um, I think that that's really going to be an advantage for us you know when you're a college coach you, you do a lot of personnel you do a lot of evaluations you do a lot of projections and so I come by that naturally. Now to have a guy with Marty's experience, um, he, all he wants to do is put a winner on the field, and all Marty wants to do is make sure that we have players that we want to coach. And so I, it's been an unbelievable relationship so far. And so I think that extends into free agency. You know, um, the one difference between college and pro is it, they're not all the same scholarship. Guys yeah. get different amounts of money. So right. for us, it's about us finding guys with the traits that we want that makes sense for us. You know, for this year and beyond. Right. We've done great things as a coach. It's going to be fun to see how it all plays out for the Carolina Panthers starting this. September. Coach, thanks for your time. Congratulations and all the best moving I forward. appreciate you guys. Thank Good you. Luck. Thanks, bud. Time for a break. We have more to come here on the Best of Pro Football Talk Live on NBC Sports Radio. Pro Football Talk Live from the Scouting Combine in Indianapolis. We were sitting here while behind us at a variety of podiums. There are eight in all, and at one point yesterday, all eight were rocking. The quarterbacks were here in the morning, and Justin Herbert, the Oregon QB, who could end up being a top-five pick. I know there are people who believe that he will be gone in the top five. He stopped by for a little visit with Chris Sims and me, and here is the conversation that we had. Great to spend some time with you. We know it's a busy time for you here in Indianapolis. You will be throwing. You will be doing the full workout or any limitations at all? Just no benching. I'll I'll stick away from benching. No benching? Yeah. Yeah, you could probably do some benching numbers, though. I think you could probably, eh, no, okay, negative Ghost Rider. He can't. What what led you to wanting to work out? What what is it about you, your camp, where you said, you know, we're going to work out, not going to wait for the pro day? Yeah, I just want to be a competitor. I just want to go out and, and throw the ball around. And I want to give teams a, a good look at myself and uh, just be honest with them and, and go out there and have some fun. Right. What is your ceiling, do you believe, when it's time for the names to get called? I don't know. I, where, where everything happens, uh, it'll happen, and I just have to deal with it. And I'm excited to be here. It's an honor to be invited to this, this experience, and um, I'm really looking forward to it. What are you most nervous about? Not nervous about anything. I'm excited. This is this is such a great opportunity that not too many people get to go through, and uh, being here is it's it's an honor and uh, to be around such great talent. Um, it's been a lot of fun already. You're super talented. I mean, big time talent. Mike's Thank heard you. me say this before. Like, I think you could be the most talented guy in the draft. 
What is the one thing you hear from teams after the senior ball or the thing that you feel like you need to show some of these other NFL teams like, I can improve in this area or something that you want to work on? Yeah, a lot of it's, uh, a lot of it's footwork. Never yeah. taken a snap from under center before right. uh, prior to these two months of training. Um, a lot of it's leadership. I've never been out, outside of Eugene, Oregon, and, and right. it's kind of where I've stayed for my whole life. Right. Um, so it's, it's just how, all about how I'd mesh with a, a new locker room, a new culture, and uh, things like that. Well, what do you say to those people who question that? Because that's the first thing I heard about you with like people around the NFL. The concern was, oh, he's never been out of Eugene. You know, what kind of kid is he? Is he going to be good in a big city? Whatever. Is like, what's your answer to that? Yeah, that's that's a great point. I've, I've really enjoyed my time in Eugene, Oregon. Yeah. I've, I've, I've loved that place. And um, these past two months that I've spent away from it, I've, I've really enjoyed it. And um, on my own playing football, and I, th- I think there's – I don't think there's anything better than that, and I've yeah. really enjoyed the, these yeah. past two months. All right, cool. You were the MVP of the Senior Bowl. What did you learn most from that whole week, that whole process that you think is going to help prepare you for what's coming in the NFL? Kind of about how a, an NFL team works. I uh, got to learn a playbook. I uh, got to be around guys and, and had to call plays in the huddle and uh, had to go under center. So a lot of things that I didn't do in college I had to do there and um, got to kind of see just how, how it works, and um, I th- thought it was a great week and really enjoyed it. You, like, you know, you, you're coming to the NFL. I want to know two things. Who was your idol growing up, and who's the guy that you'd be most excited to see this year on the field where you're just like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe I'm playing against this person. Any jump out names? Uh, I would say Joey Harrington. I, I grew up watching him, and so he was Oh, he's going to Oregon. He's going Oregon idol. And so, wow. And then I would say to play against someone, Tom Brady. Tom Brady. Yeah. That would be the one. Okay. I was expecting someone different than Joey Harrington. I'm not going to lie. Not a whole lot of Joey Harrington, Harrington fans out there. You may instantly be the president of the Oregon. fan club. Yeah. You totally caught me by surprise <laughs> with that one. But you're, I get it. I mean, he's an Oregon guy, and he was pretty big time there at Oregon. Yeah, he was. He <laughs> yeah, was Wasn't he on the cover of one of the college football games way back in the yeah. day? Are what? you a Madden guy or a Fortnite guy? Uh, or both? Madden. Madden? Good. Yeah. My man. What, PS4 uh, or Xbox? Xbox. Ah, if you were PS4, I'd, I'd let you beat me by 100 points. Well, he would. Don't worry. He definitely <laughs> would. All right. I, we're ta- you know, a lot of talk about, first off, your hand size. Mm-hmm. What did you get measured in at yesterday? 10 inches. 10 inches. Okay, cool. All right, so wait. This is a great exper- experiment. Because my hand, so I know. Look, I already know his hands, mine are bigger wide-wise, but see how his are longer? His fingers are longer. So that's what I'm saying. They need to change the measurement process. It should be bottom of the hand all the way to the top of the middle finger. Now, I have a double-jointed thumb. It's not fair. Like, what did you it. measure in there? I got in 10 and a half. Wow. Yeah, because I could really spread them out that way because my both are double yeah. jointed. I could do this too. So that's not fair, right? Um, okay, now grip the football. I'd like to see your grip just because we're talking about it a lot. Uh, so he's a two and under five guy. Another guy that's like that. Joe Burrow's kind of like that. Aaron Rodgers is like that. You always gri- gripped it like that? That's From, just kind of the way it It's just the way it does it. I grabbed the ball and I, th- and I threw yeah, it. Yeah, you don't even think about it. Yeah. You've always done it. And you've, you haven't had to play with it, like, as compared to a college football to an NFL ball. You're still gripping it the same way, right? Same, same way. Yeah. Okay. So there Did you Did you notice a difference when you got an NFL ball in your hands versus the college football you were used to? Not too much. I mean, there's a little bit of a change, but uh, overall you get used to it, and a couple of weeks into it, you're, you're, you're You like it better it. or worse? I do enjoy throwing the NFL right? ball. Right? The yeah. laces are better. The yeah. leather's better quality, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. When did you realize, Justin, when was that moment, whether it was a pass, whether it was a decision, a moment, anything, that you can get it in the NFL, that you can get it done, that you're destined to play in the NFL and succeed there? I don't know. I think that's just something that you kind of get a, a feel for. Is, and I don't think there was one specific moment. I think uh, overall, the, over the course of my career, um, I feel like I've, I've had enough success and I, I feel like I am confident with my abilities that, that uh, 
playing at the next level is something I want to do. I want to play this game as long as I can. And uh, when I'm done playing, I want to coach. I want to be around this game for as long as I can. And uh, whether it's long enough or, or, or not, I'm, I'm going to be ready when it comes. And uh, just excited to be here. There was a lot of talk last year that you would have been a top 20 pick. What ultimately led you to staying in college one more year? A whole lot of reasons. Yeah. Uh, I wanted to finish the year off with the guys that I came in with. Right. We had a great group of, of seniors this year. Um, wanted to come back, wanted to be better. Uh, I felt like I could improve. Uh, my younger brother was going to be on the team. Uh, growing up in Oregon, always was a Duck fan, so there, yeah. was, there was nothing better than that. Special to you. Yeah. yeah. What uh, position did your younger brother play? Tight end. Now, numbers-wise, I mean, I don't want to, like, you don't have to predict, but you're going to do everything? Are you going to run, run the 40 mm-hmm. do it all? Like, come on, give me a ballpark. Like, ballpark, what do you think 40 you can do? We're not going to, like, you know, if you don't meet it, we won't get on you too hard. Too hard. As long as it's below a 4.8, I'm, I'm good with You're that. You're going to be happy. Yeah. I mean, you think you got a chance to do like 4.68, 4.69? Hopefully. Uh, he's too shy. Nice. Of course you do. Of you course you do. You don't want to set the bar too high, though. Okay. You want to set it low, well, and then it's I've success. been watching him run down the sideline just for 40-yard touchdowns. A sub-6. As long as they get under 6, I'll well, be happy. Well, he said under 4.8, but he's going to run under 4.8. That was well, a well, very broad good. answer. That's good. Under 6 seconds, yeah. Yeah, there we go. That's good. Then it's going to be a smashing success. He busted it by more than a second and a half. What sport would you be playing if you weren't playing football? Not basketball, that's for sure. <laughs> no, You're 6'6". Six, six. I'd probably be playing baseball. That's it for the best of Pro Football Talk Live on NBC Sports Radio. I'm Mike Florio. We'll see you next week. Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.